You are listening to Fika with Vicky on United Public Radio, 107.7 and 105.3 from New Orleans. Hello, everyone, and welcome to FICA. Our guest today is Michelle DeRoche. Michelle is a paranormal researcher, investigator, and manager here on United Public Radio and UFO Paranormal Radio Networks. We've been looking into fictional ghost stories on FICA, and I thought it was time we looked at some real ones. Real ghost stories, you say? Are ghosts real? And I think that's a decision we have to make for ourselves. But lucky for us, Michelle is only a couple of programs away on the ever-popular Outer Realm, which she co-hosts with Amelia Pisano. And she's dropped by to help us find those answers. In fact, as a curious person and passionate researcher, she's still finding some answers about those things of high strangeness herself, which doesn't mean she doesn't know a lot. It just means she knows there's more out there and she's still reaching. Michelle is a friend, not the kind of friend you stop and have coffee with once a day, once a week, or even once a year, but the kind that drops in and changes your life. She changed my life when she took a chance and offered me a place for Fika on this station. And when it comes to things of high strangeness, that's up there. So let's sit back and enjoy the tales of Michelle's personal experiences and travels. And maybe make some comments or ask questions about our own. And you writers out there, you better grab those notebooks because I guarantee you're going to be grabbing up some ideas as well. So thanks, Michelle, for sharing your stories with us today, for reaching out so we can have more to think about, and for believing in things or people that others may not. Welcome to FICA. Oh, thank you for having me. Thank you for having me. And you mentioned authors. I've had authors um, consult with me. I do a lot of consultation work on, you know, when they write books, could this be a thing? Could this be a thing? Would this be believable? You know, and I think, oh my God, yeah, that's a, it was a lot of fun. Well, you also consulted with one of the authors I've had on the show or worked as um, researcher for Mr. Wayne Mellows when he wrote Dark Origins. You were, yes. you had a big rate, a part of that researching as well. Yes, yes. Because, I, well, that's, it's like my thing. I've been to... Romania and I have there's a lot of lineage stuff in there too with Knights Templars and so it's a lot of fun. He goes, This is what I need is I was there. <laughs> I knew <do> that. <laughs> yes. And right. you're going to listen. <laughs> yes. Wayne. Um Weeping Willow Paranormal says hello. So hi Weeping. Thank you for listening, watching, whatever you may be doing. Um that's where I want to get started. So there's the travels and there's the experiences, but honestly, Michelle, what's a nice girl like you doing with the creepy and crawlies out there? <laughs> well, I myself am highly strange. No, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I've, I've just been able to, to see, you know, dead people from the time I was very, very young. 
Um, I have recollections of being four and five years old and being Christmas dinner at my grandparents and my both sides of my family, but especially that one on my mother's side were very, very intuitive people and mediumship was very much talked about. It wasn't discouraged. So, you know, I remember seeing a man there who was like I knew was, was deceased standing in the living room and very friendly. And I went and told my mother about him. So there's a man in the living room. She goes, Oh, okay. And my grandfather's like, you know, like the, the he was our the matriarch or the patriarch rather and says, Let me get a book <laughs> and got a photo album and was just placed it down. I wasn't discouraged. It says, Do you see him here? And I pointed out a man exactly and who, who I described to them already. So they again they didn't lead me, they didn't discourage me. I chose the man and it turned out it was my grandfather's brother who passed away. My grandfather used to go in these like excursions for two weeks you know we're just going to go into the woods i'm going to go to they owned an island and he would go there for a couple of weeks leaving my grandmother at home with six kids you know I, different times for sure you know <laughs> i know right here's six kids bye you know so he would wander off and uh, when he came home from one of these excursions um from hunting you know uh back in the day um you know they ate what they they hunted and um my grandmother tried to say, well, you know what? I have some very sad news for you. And he goes, oh, no, no, that's okay. My brother died. And uh, he came and spent some time with me before moving on. <laughs> so, you know, it, to me, it's a validation that they really don't miss very much, that they they still partake. Like this was Christmas dinner and he was still there, just standing in the living room, just like looking out the window, like just like he was just still a part of it all. And the, the photo album is just like a stroke of genius to, to know to do that. And, you know, here are the usual suspects. Do you I know. <laughs> recognize it's anyone the suspects. there? I like it. And, yeah. that, and, that, and that, so you saw, and I'm curious, you know, often people will say they sense, or you watch a show. I don't sense anything there. or I don't feel anything there. Do you feel as well? And if so, what does that feel like, Michelle? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> How do you know? Feeling, feeling. Um, <laughs> yes, yes. Uh clairsentience. Um, like feeling that that the hair on the back of your neck go up or sensing something in, in the area. Um, I I don't know. I, I believe we all have it. That is when you get the butterflies in your stomach, that is when the hair goes up on the back of your neck. Maybe you're just not recognizing that there's something triggering that specifically when you enter a space uh we look for traditional signs that were you know people write about you know like cold spots or sometimes getting odors um i you know it is believed theoretically that a nice spirit will leave behind pleasant smells like when or that you would that you would affiliate the connection with you would you would associate that so for example my grandfather he had this terrible habit of getting up in the wee hours of the morning and having he loved burnt toast and black coffee which you know but anyway burnt toast i know just like, no 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 I, I i come I from a burnt toast like okay see okay. So you like that well i was woken up at 5 a.m going well, somebody leaves something in the toaster, what's going on, right? And then realizing, oh, no, my mother's like, no, 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 that's just my father. He used to do this pretty regularly. So we're like, oh, okay. Whereas my grandmother had floral perfumes. Um, you know, sometimes they'll leave signs. Um, I've had people near me pass away, and then I see unusual birds. My mother said, well, I'm going to come back as a cardinal to visit. I have cardinals all over my property. It's not going to help me. <laughs> 
Pick something else. Bird, mother. <laughs> well, I like cardinals. I know, but I'm not going to tell which one is you. So, you know, <laughs> so anyway, um, it's just, just stuff like that. You know, there are many signs you can look for. Um, more malevolent beings will have more foul odors, you know, maybe sulfur or sewage or excrement, things like just things of that nature. So you kind of walk into a space and you have no explanation for it. You might kind of go, nobody's here. There's no, I can't see a reason why all of a sudden there would be the smell. So there are different things you can look for. And different feelings. That you oh, yeah. Just, oh, you you'll know. know. <laughs> Something you, comes in that makes you feel uncomfortable. You're going to feel very, very uneasy. I still do. I've been doing this for <clears throat> two decades. And when something, um, you know, something comes in that shouldn't be, or if I walk into a space and, and I feel very uneasy, it's like, ah, uh, okay, well, I'm obviously infringing on something space or something is infiltrating mine. So when... I want to go, well, I guess back a little um, to your work. So you've been doing this for a long, long time and <laughs> forever, actually, without knowing you were doing it. And then Canada's Most Haunted comes in, mm -hmm. your business, and you start to actually do investigations and research and things like that for people mm. so taking this through a pragmatic thing because i'm a person who likes to be prepared so you feel like you have a ghost in your house and and it's all gone a little crazy how do you reach out to get help like what would you advise people to do mm. well cmh um came into play around 2004 with a colleague of mine uh, we were doing ghost tours at the time and we ended up parting ways and splitting the company. The tour was a tour company and the CMH was a research company. And it was just a tag word that people would always remember because I always used to get asked, you're not like that, you know, Mer or British, you know, most haunted running around screaming all the time, are you? So we thought it would be funny and we just, <laughs> it was, let's just go with that one. But it stuck and it rolled off people's songs. I could remember it. Um, so, you know, that's pretty much what people knew. That's where they went if they wanted to do research or film, uh, things like that. That was just the parent company. And the best thing I could suggest is if something is going on in the house, um, don't communicate. Um, if you feel, I mean, it's such a long convoluted explanation because there are so many things that could lead someone to believe that they're having a really good experience. And all of a sudden that person says, okay, I'm at ease with you. Yeah. Let's communicate. That's kind of like an invitation. Sometimes that could go very bad. Sometimes you're dealing with something that you may not want to be dealing with. You know, we call them mimics. Some people may call, you know, they're malevolent entities, interdimensional entities, dimensional, um, demonic is, is, you know, as a, people of faith will will know them as um or most of the world will think i run around screaming that because my producers all say say the g word no say it no say it oh, you know it could be that though right oh, yeah i suppose it could be that <laughs> but but really i don't i'm pretty logical individual so <laughs> but um you know sometimes people have like you know when wayne and i were at blythewood um like at the house it was the manor was for the most part very pleasantly haunted but it wasn't always it did have malevolent things that would come in and out because you know wayne wasn't the first owner and it was a bed and breakfast for a long time and because something looks haunted and they start getting 
you know, experiences that come in and they start playing with spirit communication and um, all, all, all kinds of things. And it just brings in more stuff. Like I had my work cut out for me when I took that place on and, and just, you know, on like from a paranormal standpoint, um, you know, long, long time for years. Cause Wayne and I've known each other, you know, since 2004 and 2010 is when I went in to officially investigate the house and he had only had it for a short time. So there's a lot of things, but if let's just say you don't know what's there, you don't have any experiences, you know, you have to really do your research as to people helping you because now there's just so, there's so big, many, yeah. so many people who do this because they've seen TV shows and, and maybe they're enthusiasts and they, they want, maybe they really do want to try to help somebody, which I, I commend anybody for wanting to help somebody else. Uh, but sometimes if you don't have the experience behind you, you have to be careful because there's a family out there reaching out. Maybe it's something benign. Maybe they just want to know who it is. Those are the best kind of investigations for people who are maybe just getting into the field. Um, and don't be the sofa investigator because there's a lot of that that's done for theatrics as well. But go in, take pictures, get voice recordings, never challenge, be respectful and you know, we have to remember you're a guest in that house. So just behave yourself because it's not a movie. It's not a movie. And and I've I've cleaned up a lot of messes through the years for people who go in challenging things and because they're being tricked into thinking there's something kind there. Next thing you know, they made an invitation. Show yourself. I demand you to do this. I demand you to do that. Okay. Doesn't matter who makes the invitation. <laughs> it's made. It's made. Some some beings out there take that pretty seriously. So do your homework. Don't be afraid to ask for references. And when you have request me a first meeting off-site, not don't do it on site. Just try to do it off-site at first. Be comfortable with these people because you know it is a privilege. When when somebody approaches me, I've always looked at it as a privilege. I don't walk in there all bells and whistles saying, You're lucky I'm here. I go in there and say, thank you for entrusting yourself and your family to me. Let me take the weight for a while. Just sit back. Let, let me worry about it for a little while. And I don't disrespect ever. Like, So if somebody does want to have a close look at Michelle's first visit with at the manor house, um, when she start, first went in there, it is on Paranormal Survivors, the second season one of the end episodes oh isn't no it? now that's um season two i was brought in by a family that my colleague and i assisted and it's a very convoluted story um the second half i i became their expert which you know you're not really an expert and things you're going to feel that you can't explain but that's how i was labeled so they just like the knowledge that i shared with them but the the story i was officially brought in on was basically a woman who we had helped there were two houses involved the one family would not participate in the show so they made it look like they combined the two stories so it made it sound like you know we abandoned one family and truth of the matter is you know one house got cleared and we tried to work with with the the, the individuals um to keep it up because that's what I do. I still work with people and how to clear their own homes. I'm not going to be around forever. I want people to, to be not, be versed as well. 
And this individual went on to um, start her own paranormal group and help other people, which was like amazing. But the other family remained in a really bad spot. We tried to clear the house that night ourselves. And we weren't given access to the whole house. As we were driving away, we realized as we came around this winding driveway, because you came in one way, when you went out the other way, there was a whole back part of a house that had been sealed off completely. We didn't even know it existed because it was under under the tree line. Off the, like an old farmhouse. In, That's in the forest. Happens. It used yeah. to be an old trading post. Oh! I know. It, it was an, yeah, it was an, an very interesting, but it was a, it was a really horrific haunting. And the individual that we did assist um, ended up messaging about three years ago and says, "Do you remember that five year old boy?" I said, "Yeah, because he's sixteen now, and he still needs help." And uh, so our team now, you know, Amelia and I, and uh, we have you know an, a whole other team, other worldly team, uh, remotely went in and removed the attachment because she's brilliant. So that's it. It was done. So how often when you get called into these things, do you find that they're benign? Like, Well, my area of research, I've never done them. I've never, I don't do benign cases because I have always had an ability or knack Maybe the resilience, maybe because I, I do have nerves of steel. I startled, don't get me wrong, like anybody else, but I do have nerves of steel. And I just seem to be versed enough. It was just it was just easier for me um, than a lot of people. And I found a lot of other researchers over the last, you know, a couple of decades would just send me these type of cases. And I don't like to call them cases because they're people. Um, but they were never benign. Not that you always go for those that it was just projection, like people projecting energy, because you have to remember whether there's something there or not, there's something that's making these people believe that they're under serious attack by something. But sometimes it's easier to think that there's something else being the culprit than it is for us to think that maybe we are projecting energy creating poltergeist activity that's that's a projection of energy or you know psychokinesis like we're projecting which is quite common if you have you know preteens in the house um especially young girls or <laughs> women going through menopause big culprits because as women our energy changes our emotions change and man if we're mad you all in the house know about it <laughs> Right. <laughs> no, no. And they do say that these things come at negative times in in households. They're attracted to that. Well, yes. because you're you're putting it out there like mm -hmm. um it makes it makes perfect sense. So mm -hmm. if if we'll get into the bodies later, but if I know that you have said with the manor house that you lived quite well with some ghosts there, and there are people that um live with ghosts. And I was just curious if you had an idea why some spirits might decide to stay here instead of moving on like if they have that possibility what what would keep them attached to earth do you there's a lot of reasons um as to you know why spirits remain behind and there's two different kinds of spirits that remain behind there are spirits that are stuck sometimes they don't realize they're dead sometimes they're unfinished business they, they just didn't get to to complete 
something. Maybe it was a goodbye. Maybe it was like the wheels out behind the wall in the upstairs closet. You know, like it, it could be just trying to get a message across. It could be trying to solve a murder. Maybe they were murdered. Maybe it was a car accident. Maybe, especially when we're dealing with older spirits from, from an older time period, they were God-fearing people. And they took the commandments very seriously. So if you stole from your neighbor or coveted thy neighbor's spouse, for example, you know, you die and you're thinking, I'm I, gonna go to the bad place. Yeah, and I'm think I'm just gonna hang back here and take my chances <laughs> and see what goes on. So sometimes it's a better option. It takes somebody to to make them realize, like, no, that, that's not how it's going to work. Sometimes it's suicide. And when you're dealing with a suicide, again, it's the mindset of only God has the right to take your life. God gave you free will. Yeah, no, that's so an there's no stipulations there. Like, you know, you have free will. So they're thinking, I don't want to go to the other place. I'm going to hang back here. Or sometimes it's extreme guilt. Sometimes you have to think, what kind of a headspace was that person in for them to hit so low that they wanted to take their own life that that whole essence remains the same just because your body stops working doesn't mean that your your essence your feelings your emotions it doesn't mean that 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 has changed that's still intact and people fail to realize that and then so, of course you have your spirits who are just visiting and just yep. like their place or possessive of it yeah do they pop in and out oh yeah when you've moved on, you can you can do whatever you want, and they do. They come by and pop in all the time. I'd be popping in and out all over the place. Just kidding. Um, um, so it's that they come from a time where they're afraid of where they're going to end up, and they have something that they want to say or do. Do you find? Well, I better get to some of these questions, and then I'll go back to mine. But I have so many. I know. <laughs> Brian, Michelle, regarding your comment about not being around forever, what <clears throat> happens to the spirits of paranormal researchers? Do they become helpers, ombudspersons between spirits and us? I love that question. And kudos, Brian. I've never been asked this. <laughs> Out of 20 years of doing media Brian and television, great, I've never been. Brian takes great pride in his questions. Okay. <laughs> and I thank you for that. I believe because we are researchers, um, we are more aware of, of a lot of things, how things work. Uh, I think if you come from an intuitive family, it works the same. For me, um, I think I would be definitely come back and keep helping people because you know how things work. But again, I think it's a matter of choice. I mean, I consider myself semi-retired, <laughs> you know, do I want to, do I want to, you know, spend an afterlife doing the same thing? I don't know if it's spiritual warfare, let's say, or, or if, if it's, if it gets to that point, because the world isn't a place where people are just so sad or depressed or angry or, and that, that type of energy just, it just attracts things that feed off of it. Um, I know I would probably, if I had that ability to come back and still help, I probably would. I know now there's this theory that when we, we sleep, we go to sleep at night. We don't just sit in the parked car in the garage that our, our essence just goes. And there's a belief that we do go help other people and move them on when they pass as guides. 
And if that's true, it would explain why I'm exhausted a lot of the times. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I believe that um, that we do become liaisons and guides of some sort. Thank you, Brian. Um, we know this guy. Dave wants to know, question for Michelle. When clearing an entity for spirit, do we know or where the spirit goes? Is it banished somewhere or does it just disappear forever or maybe both? Hmm. Also a good question. Thank you. Um, I always say to people, I'll let you know when I get there. That, you know, I, I can tell you that a lot of it has to do with our belief system. I can tell you that in clearing people and being able to see um, different, different methods, let's say portals, you know, for example, if you're clearing an area of a cemetery and you have a family of spirits, and you have one that may be, you know, let's just say you got the black sheep <laughs> who's not going the same way as everybody else. You know, we, we notice that he does tend to get hold, like they hold him back a little bit. So maybe it, is it a form of atonement? Is it, you know, I don't believe that when a beautiful bright light opens, I believe we all have the option to go through it. But the fact that we've seen on a couple of occasions, you know, one goes through separately maybe he's just going to be taken aside because it's still the big, beautiful, bright light that you see when it opens. And we notice that with indigenous spirits, many of them, um, we will see tribal leaders waiting for them. So uh, again, I'm, I'm wondering if, if we're dealing with just a faith, a belief system. Well, that's an interesting thing. Like depending yeah. on your faith, would your, your um, experience be different? Right. Would but th but there's always the bright door from your experience. Right. Regardless of what's on the other side, it's it's we all have mm -hmm. that door to go through. Yes. Yes. I I, I you know what I, I feel that I feel that a, a lot of it just comes from here. If if you have something malevolent there that we're popping out that doesn't belong in these places, is it's why. I recommend if you if you have the ability to work with with beings that are already on the other side, then they just automatically know where to send them. And not, you know, some human spirits are very powerful, but sometimes you have to deal with dimensional beings that are just maybe never were a part of, of this planet. Like some people work with angels. You know, so there are spirit guides that were never once, never human, never part of this time or space. I mean, we can come in from what I understand from many different, you know, many different places. We could come back, we incarnate as, as an animal, as an extraterrestrial from an entirely other world. So well, I'm way more advanced than us. This is, well, first of all, Mr. Benison, I would like to know why you are asking about the malevolent <laughs> <laughs> spirit. Something in that thing. But yeah, um, yeah, yeah. there's some things that just can't be known until until that time arrives. Um, when it comes to animals, actually, when last week, one of the last questions Brian asked, because we got started on the subject with, with other people, is do you ever see animal ghosts? Like pets, like cats. Yes. The manor used to have all kinds of cats and it would rub up against people's legs and, and people would definitely see them. Um, I have seen, you know, spirit animals as well, dogs, horses, things like that. Um, my, my little dog, we don't see her, but we hear her. 
like she had, used, we used to call her little discount bark because she was like a little two and a half pound chihuahua and she would go, ha, ha, just like that all the time. And I was like, ha. so we hear this sometimes very, very clearly. And I think, oh, it just has to be residual, you know? Uh, but then when we moved here, we still hear it. Well, when we talk about people who have unfinished business, a pet's business is to be there for us, right? Yeah. So it, they, they would probably be more likely to stick around than anybody. Mm -hmm. I know when we lost our dogs, I swear I would see them sitting in the chairs, like mm -hmm. when I came around the corner, or mm -hmm. you would just feel, or or whatever, stronger with, see now I'm getting a good a cold chill, but stronger with the animals than than anything else. I think because they're so faithful to us as 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 pets, you know, and I believe that they can see more. They, they definitely see more than than we do. Um, I know of researchers who used to bring dogs or cats on investigations because they they do see more. I used to tell people who would message me, you know, I think there's something going on in the house. So how is your pet reacting? But on on the downside of that, when something malevolent comes in and attaches to somebody we find pets are very very much accessible to being victims because they can't speak for themselves and it's a good place for something to to attach and hunker down like we've seen it um i've had people say something's not right with my animal something is just something wrong and we go in and you see like I, my sister's cat did it its eyes went completely black and it just went, it went right after her. It would just, it kept trying to attack her, uh, you know, sent her in to and have some tests done at the vet. And like, we don't see any neurological disorders with her, you know, like a good, good chunk of change was spent trying to figure it out. And it was only sometimes. And I remember walking in the house one day and my sister was standing there. My parents were standing there. Um, this was like an adult years. My parents were visiting. It was like, you know, around Christmas season. And um, she'd just come back. She had went on a ghost tour and just kind of like took too much interest in a certain area that was known to have malevolent energy and came home and the cat just went psychotic. And it, I walked through the door and caught it midair. It was lunging, claws out, eyes black, just angry looking for my sisters, like for her face. And I caught it midair and, and I just caught, because <laughs> I have very good <laughs> reflexes. So caught her midair, put her down onto the sofa and, and, and just, and I knew I could feel it. I could sense it. I, I'm just like, I'm like, no, not this night. And that was the end of that. And um, she remained like that until we took her to the vet and said, we, you know, my sister said I had to relinquish her. She was attacking her on a regular basis. And uh, as soon as, you know, the vet got hold of her she completely calmed down her, her eyes went back to green and it was just strange so it happens so they are they're open they're yeah okay mm -hmm. well like children like we we talk about children being closer and more open they are yes okay i would like to think this applies to you as well ryan no. <laughs> <laughs> None of us are perfect, and we all carry around emotional baggage. When we pass on, do we carry around that baggage forever, or can it get healed? Well, I I can give you an example, um, and I've seen this happen many times. I don't think we can move on with our baggage until we heal it. So I think this is why 
so many remain behind um, if it's something that's gnawing at them. A really good example was Wayne's mother. She was just not a very nice lady. And when she she got sick and he got called in, she was on her deathbed. I mean, he watched her take her last breath and he was just like going, okay. All of a sudden she goes, <gasps> comes back. <laughs> He's like, he almost has a stroke. <laughs> it's just like, oh my God. You know, you have to ask him to tell you the story one time. He'll tell it better than me. Now, she basically came back an entirely different person. Entirely different person. So what did she see? Now, she lived for another six months, I believe, seven months. And the whole time she was leaving baggage. But at first she kept making comments like, because she, she had dementia, so she was losing her faculties. And she'd say, this darn train, she goes, I'm supposed to get on it. And they keep telling me I can't take my bags. And I'm like, right, hello. <laughs> and Wayne's <laughs> just going, can't take the bags. I get it. I get it. So she's got to dump the baggage. She's got to work through her, her, her thing. She wronged a lot of people, her children, especially grandchildren. So she slowly started making peace with all of them. And the bags became less and less. And this is how she visualized it. And she had traumatic things from childhood. She started making peace with that. And then people started coming to visit her. All of a sudden, she's highly intuitive, having conversations with people, but very calmly. She would be having a conversation with Wayne and say, one minute, dear. And she looks at her and she goes, no, darling, that's not my cat. My cat has a tail, but it's a very pretty cat. Thank you. Carry on. Wayne's just like, <laughs> it's like looking under things. Who's here? <laughs> you know, it very much was like that. She died peacefully in her sleep. Six to seven months later. So she had a chance and she, she took got it. on the train. <laughs> There's a and was no baggage. So I think the key is, you know, because I say we're all students in life, but especially in this field, we, we were continuously learning things change, people change, we evolve. And I think that we have to just get rid of our baggage. I watched it with my mom, my watch, my, my mother, you know, got my mom, my mother just had a heart attack. That was it. But it was just like, we found out, however, that she had cancer that she ever told anybody about, <clears throat> which is not what got her in the end. It was the heart. But she started making this transition. And she was just being like making amends with her sister, who nobody liked. This woman did nothing but cause angst in the family. There was no close relationship. I think there's only one person, one sibling that <laughs> would speak to her. Now there's none. So she made peace and she'd say, You know, you should talk to your aunt. I went, Now I'm going to hell. Not <laughs> <laughs> doing it. Nope. You know, but she transitioned right down to her final hours and we just saw her healing. So I think, Brian, that's the best way I can answer it. I really think that you have to live every day being the best person that you can, because if you die suddenly with all this baggage, will it be enough to hold you down or will, is that where atonement comes in perhaps? So then sometimes getting a prognosis of... What did I just say? Never mind. Skip it. Um, that that you're going that your time is coming up. 
could be considered a good thing because you're given that notice and you mm -hmm. have time to take care of things that you want to take care of. I think it's it's fantastic. This is where I, I commend mediums, you know, who aren't afraid to give messages like that. You know, I, I personally have never I do readings once in a blue moon. And that's only if I have a spirit nagging at me enough because I'm sitting across from somebody who has to have a message. For the most part, I don't want I don't want that responsibility, which might be selfish, but that was a live and learn thing with, you know, a friend when I was 18. When she said to me, is my boyfriend cheating on me? And I went, yes, you're my best friend. I'm going to tell you anything. And she and she tried to take her own life. So I realized. But that wasn't your. No. But if, if you had had proof without the mediumship. Okay, we're going to get into ethics. Then. Yeah. If you had had proof without the mediumship, you would have told her anyways, Michelle. Yes, That's I, I, I would have. Um, yeah. So, and it was the right thing to do. But I had no tact because this was my best friend. I'm like, I've got you. I'm your wingman. Yes, Well, yeah, you shouldn't have like, done it in Michelle style. Right? <laughs> Come in, slam dunk. Yeah. But I learned, no, no, you have to have tact. But I also learned that it's a big responsibility and that people... There are people out there that will hang on every word a medium has to say. So for me, you know, I've had mediums, sometimes they'll say, you know, do you want to know everything? Or, okay, or they'll say, I don't say those things. And I'll say, well, I want to know. Because I am one of those people that would take complete advantage of that time I had left and finding my peace and making peace with people in my life that are important and I, I've already started that process. Just, you know, even with, you know, when your kids say to you, when I was five, this happened. And I'm just like, well, I'm very sorry. I didn't know this happened. You were five that this happened. But, you know, I, I think it's really important because Wayne's mother, it was all about her adult children who had horrific, horrific lives with her because the type of person she was from the stuff she she harbored from the time that she was a child. So I've got all of my children to cover all the bases and said, if I did anything, <laughs> I apologize. And I spend every day of my life always trying to make up for something that I may or may not have done. Like kids remember things. You're thinking, when did that happen? We as parents are busy. We don't remember things happening, but, but, to them, it's a really and with a big different thing. perspective of of yeah. in the moment importance. Now, this is very important, Michelle, and your answer is going to affect my life. Brian wants <laughs> to know: Does this mean I should start being nice to Vicky? I think you should start paving the way for that, Brian. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> but but in Vicky's defense, I don't know how anybody could not be nice to Vicky. <laughs> See, I <laughs> know, <laughs> right? <laughs> and it's just a game we play. But um. <laughs> Yeah, I think we need bumper stickers made up with that. I know. Be nice to Vicky. No, <laughs> no, 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 no. no. Right. <laughs> Vicky has her own stuff too. Right. So, so you feel like when that baggage is not there, those people are held back until they have a chance to. I believe it's a very strong possibility. There's also the theory that they will go for. Again, I think it's a, a, the belief system that you know you go back for atonement. Um, what do you, so what do you do if you don't have a belief system? Again, I'll go back to Wayne because he had a friend who was complete atheist and he died in a motorcycle accident and he wandered for like five years. And then all of a sudden Wayne started having visions of him. Like he's just going, I don't know why, but he keeps coming to my mind. 
can you check on him? I'm like, okay, I'm sure enough. The guy was just stuck right, right on the highway he died on. And uh, we're just like, okay, we're going to move you over. I can go. Yeah, <laughs> I sure can. I believe it's just a dimensional thing personally. You know, it's not so yeah, much you're just up and down. It's just another... dimensional. Yeah. A portal opens up for you. And into go another it, go. part of existence. Yeah. Go home. <laughs> much better over there. <laughs> You know, are you sure, Michelle? You're telling us I'm that. hoping, Vicky. I, I'm hoping. <laughs> then you get there and go, oh, well, <laughs> there's crap. people well, waiting. <laughs> then yeah, you have immense. I think I underestimated this one. Yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, but. so they're out there now. You take on some baddies. Um, what's one of the scariest experiences? I mean. And were you actually scared? But what's one of the scariest experiences you've had, if you can tell us? Um, I think everything is unnerving, um, per se. But I've, I've, I grew up having my own attachment, you know. So I, I learned pretty early on um, that this was a thing, and it was long before. I'm going to age myself a bit, but that was long before internet and paranormal tv shows so i had to learn how to cleanse myself you know so i just went to the local library got a book on witchcraft and cleansing just cleansing spaces i really didn't know what else to do and 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 i realized very early on that it became about mindset it wasn't about so much the actions that i was doing and the words that i was using but it was about the power behind the words and the strong intention behind the actions. It was all about me taking control. And having confidence. That's right. And that, that's something I've always taught people. I just don't go in and say, okay, hey. You know, I didn't go in. It was never like waving a magic wand, you know. Um, but I ended up finding out later on in life that some of my experience were extraterrestrial related as well. But... You know, yeah, I mean, so bad, bad cases or, or bad situations. I think the worst for me was just when I came to the realization that my daughter got affected by one of the locations I had worked on. You know, you think you do everything okay. right. You take the proper um, protocol in, in grounding your energy, protecting yourself the most that you can you know, again, making sure the mindset is right. And um, things would come around me all the time before, before I even went to a location, they always know when you're going to be there. And we had a conversation on our show about this last night that, you know, because a lot of exorcists will say, no, I was chosen to be the one. It chose me to, to finish this or to, you know, to do the battle. And, um, one way or another, you know, they come, they let you know, they would start knocking or you know, I've been growled at in my own house, things like that. And, but this specific case, my daughter ended up losing her vision. She just woke up one morning about within about three days after I've been to this location was, I can't see. I'm going, what? You have perfect eyes. What do you mean? What's wrong with you? Because <laughs> I can't see. So, you know, she went to every test imaginable, you know, CAT scans, MRIs. Uh, we took her to eye specialists who took pictures of the inside of her eyes and I mean, everything, so, uh, you know, psychiatrists, psychologists, we tackled everything under the sun that had to do with anything 
brain-related, eye-related, um, psyche-related. And then my my family physician said to me, he goes, what have you worked on last? <laughs> it takes my family doctor to say, because we were, we, were, we were friends. A man too, of right? science. <laughs> man of science says, what have you worked on last? You know, and I went, oh my gosh. And I knew I was supposed to go back. So it's like, okay, fair enough, you know, but we, we talked about going back in the spring because this was, was like, this was um, January, you know, but they were way out oh. in, in like wilderness, you know, it's like, God. Um, and then we, the family just didn't want any more help. So it just turned out that we, we weren't going to go back, you know, within the month I had gotten this information and I just said, okay, I'm not going back, but I already knew I wasn't going back because this because the family didn't want assistance so I, I i used that to my advantage by literally by later that afternoon after i put that out there she goes she goes i can see but one eye was has never been right but she's you know she says i can see so i don't know coincidence i don't really believe in coincidences i believe in a lot of synchronicities i believe in things of that nature but what matters is you could see and it was a very humbling experience i learned very early on that um there's a very powerful there's a lot of power that comes from these individuals so you have to be humble all the time and yeah no and and not forget to take those extra like not get you too used to it mm -hmm. have you ever advised people to just get out of dodge like leave the house there's no um, yeah, we, we've had to do that. I, I don't ever think a family should leave. It's always, if they ask me straight up, should I leave? You know, especially early days because, um, they, it could take you a year to get something out if you're, you know, doing it on site, obviously techniques are different now, but, um, I've had to say to people, it, it, you know, you might want to, you might want to leave, but they typically can follow. So, so that's not the, always, it's the not always plan. an option. I truly have seen people because I used to have at one time, I used to have an 18 to 24 month waiting list if you wanted me there in person. And I was like, <laughs> you kiss, they do take long. I would always make sure the prior was finished before moving on. I didn't want any like bleed through as I, as I called it, you know, and then I would need time in between there to meditate, to cleanse, and just to. To, to try to be as normal normal as possible in that time frame and and, and regroup um, then I would go on and, and take another you know I've worked with a lot of deliverance ministers I've worked with a lot of um, uh, non-catholic exorcists um, who you know go in there and take chances and you take a chance every time you go in so sometimes it comes down to you know you might want to try to leave but you can be followed. And sometimes you have haunted people. It's all them. They're the ones with the attachment. Doesn't matter where they go. It's not the house. Why would why would they get an attachment? Because they the, the person finds something in, like well, because we're talking about different things. We're talking about spirits, it could be people that they knew, it could mm -hmm. be ancestors, and then mm -hmm. we're talking about multidimensional. Mm -hmm. creatures kind of thing that's what right. i'll just i'll just call them um sure. to sort of round yeah it all out. absolutely um, um so what would attract that to a person many things it's believed that negative energy is food for certain types of beings 
they they thrive on it. I mean, you get a lot of that. Let me get my tin hat for a minute. <laughs> you get a lot of, you know, um, the conspiracy people who, and I say that very gently because it was a term invented by CIA, you know, they want to just don't to try to discourage people from, you know, their credibility. But um, there's a belief that a lot of the, the world's elite are very much like this. That's why there's so much negativity, war, money problems, keeping everybody busy and sad and angry and division. And, you know, that's a theory, of course. But the point I'm trying to make is it's a type of energy. Sadly, this type of negative energy attracts certain beings. It's food for them, more so than laughter, which is, right? Um, so... Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> I was going to say that I'm safe. No. Yes, you're safe. You're, you're bubbly. I know. Let's say you have anxiety or depression or, you know, you've had, you've been bullied or you have addictions. Um, you're grieving. Sadly, even something as simple. And grieving is not simple. Believe me, you know, living it. My mom been gone only six months, but, um, grieving opens a door because it's a sadness and you're and it's it's just heart heavy but it opens a door for things to come in and fool you into thinking you're dealing with a loved one because people want signs so desperately they're inviting that in they're not thinking about where those signs could potentially come from so in this time i mean there is a lot of time spent just thinking with the internet, with listening to a lot of different things and a lot of sadness out there. And that the possibility of taking action, like to get up and walk and go for a walk and whatever could change yeah. the world. Just that one little thing passing on from one person to another. So we need to walk away from the negativity. Yes. I think. Um, yes. And that and that means walking away from it, turn it off. It's well, a let's face it, change. most of it's coming from, from a source, a certain source that is uniting the entire world. So yes. just turning that off and walking away. Um, I, I know that I feel like I was much more happier during before Facebook. I mean, it's not that I hate Facebook or I blame Facebook, but I think they were happier times. Um, yes. I, I think you need to walk away from looking at all the terrible things that go on. Some people put their whole lives, in, you know, in a comment. You're just like, oh my goodness, you realize how much sadness there is out there. I, I say ground your energy. Do, you know, there's techniques you can do. You can do earthing, which is like when I, I laugh at people, I say, no, go hug a tree. And they're like, what? No, no, trees no, are seriously. sentient beings. They communicate by the root system. They're, they're willingly sharing their energy with you. And you have elementals that nurture these trees and forests and plants and animals and and they get really ugly if it's not taken care of. But I'll often say, live, love, laugh. Open the windows, dance, laugh, watch a funny movie. Whatever you can, raise the vibrations, raise the frequency. They can't, they, they starve with positive energy. You see, we're the ones that feed them because they keep doing this thing of divide and conquer. They make you bicker within the household and create situations and, and infighting. And, and this is just it's a vicious circle. Well, because we are so driven by society to show our virtue. Um, you know, if something bad is happening on the other side of the earth that you can't do anything about, 
no matter what you do, you can't do anything about it. Then mm -hmm. you must be miserable. You know, if something's happening to me, I want those people to go happy while you have a chance. I mean, we right. only have so many right. opportunities to. So right. it's 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 coming out from under that. I think that cloak mindset, life change, be positive. There's, there's just so much negative. And part of that all comes from social media, television. Um, you know, you, we just seem to be living in a really, you know, unstable, dark times, but it doesn't have to be that way for you. You are in no, charge no. of your environment. We cannot control what goes on around us in the world. We cannot, but we can control how we perceive it and how we handle it. That's who we are in control and of our ourselves. Little circle, our That's little right. spot. That's right. We can. And I think the most important take is not to get, let Brian get to you. Okay. That <laughs> <laughs> um, speaking of Brian, he's back again. If, if these spirits entities can affect our material world, can we generate energies that would affect or harm them in turn? For example, high power radio waves and such like. Okay, I feel like the science fiction writer is is no, I, <laughs> no, I love it, I love it. Um, I, I do yeah. think that certain frequencies, um, I mean, it works on people as well, you know, radio waves, microwaves, um, different, you know, G towers. We'll leave it right there. Um, I, I I think it it affects us all. Everything is made up of energy. Therefore, energy is how you fight back. Right. So if you're creating positive frequencies and vibrations, I think they just have a harder time attaching. If you're grounding yourself, they have a harder time attaching. Is, is it foolproof? No, nothing. Nothing is foolproof. But again, it comes down to reaction. I've seen people who have waited because, like I said, I just have a really lengthy waiting list. So I would say you know, I, I would deal with them, let's say, over the phone or over over email and say, do this, this, this and this. I mean, you're taking in 18 months of working with somebody and changing the mindset and putting them in control. And then I'm like, okay, I'm good to go. W when do you want me in? Oh, we're good now. <laughs> they took care of it themselves. And that's the idea. The majority of people that I've helped through the years, um, not that they have, they don't have amp ups. When I mean amp ups is, you know, you there close that door, people, you know, there's always something waiting to come in because it's almost like you have a bullseye on your back after a while. You have to keep at it and keep it that, that lifestyle change and mindset change. But the majority of people, when they're done and they've cycled through and they've changed whatever it is they had to change, um, I never hear from them again. Once in a blue moon, I might hear from the occasional person saying, it's why, you know, I'm so okay. Well, it's to be, you know, be passionate about something and that fills the void. Right. Like when I'm doing this show or, or or writing or whatever, I'm out. I'm not even thinking about anything else, but in right. that moment. Right. And that makes, that makes, I think, a lot of difference. Okay. Yeah. So hello, Dolly. And Dolly, Dolly. Dolly right. says, live in joy. Oh, Dolly. Hi, Dolly. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to break out in song. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Hello, yeah. I missed I missed that opportunity. I, I I'll never get that back. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Live in joy. Joy is not dependent of others. We do choose our thoughts. And and yes, I yeah. agree. Yes, I agree I, completely. I, 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 I think so. Okay, yeah. so I want to, I want to there's there's just something. So, okay, so you've been through a, See, this is the thing. So, do you think the movies that we watch um are very like over the top 
Um, you know, so okay, like say the Amityville horror or conjuring or whatever. Do you feel that they're a little bit over the top or about the you've got to get out of the house and you've got to run away or whatever from what you're saying? You know, there are other ways to take care of it than that. Or do you think in those cases it was really like that? Right. Well, um, let's go, let's use Amityville. Um, I think it's it's a great example. If you talk to the people <clears throat> who lived in the house, you know, um, the Lutzes, for example, because, um, you know, I've communicated with Christopher Lutz quite a bit. Um, I've never spoken with Daniel. Those are the boys. But they, they both, very, very horrific experiences. But there's a lot that goes on behind the scenes that people don't know about what happened in that house and what George was like. And that's something that I think Christopher is writing a book on. So... I don't want to get into a lot of that, but he was going to come on the show and talk about that and his experiences. He's been silent for a little while, so maybe he's writing, hopefully. Um, I've also, um, you know, bared in mind that there were a lot of other people involved after the fact, you know, researchers. I know Amelia and I have had Laura Didio on. She was uh, uh, one of the newspaper or um, TV station reporters who partook in the seance and they, they saw things that were going on. And so they went in with from a very skeptical point of view. Um, and Ed and Lorraine Warren were there and oh, oh my God, you know, I think Hans Holzer uh, had his hand in it. I mean, there was a lot of different people who were there investigating. So I think it comes down to, you know, was it fake? The movie embellishes everything because it's, it's, they want to be entertaining. And yes, I agree. Yes. J.R. I, I enjoy them. So we're not knocking the movies for that. Okay. No, no. no. <laughs> we're just, this Me is too. A Me too. I, I do. Find the difference between fiction and fact. So it's exactly. Well, I mean, you know, I, I, I do shows, you know, where I've sat in the chair for hours and they ask me questions and I give them four logical answers. There's only one they're interested in. Could it be a demon? Well, because they want the okay. clicks, right? Yes, yes. <laughs> I suppose it could be a demon. Can you say that? It could be a demon. And the whole world thinks I run around going, oh, there's a just screaming demon all the time. No. I. What about the four logical answers I just gave you? Demons get clicks, Michelle. <laughs> logical answers don't do. get clicks. No, and they people don't. want to get clicks. No, they so don't. I'm not in it for the clicks. I'm in yes. it for, for the things. Exactly. I, exactly. I, I enjoy those movies. Yeah, um, but yeah. I, so, so you're saying there can be cases where it's just a whole combination nation of messes a, a well, particularly strong <coughs> um entity perhaps with some other things going on that there was a lot made... of of logical things that were happening that surrounded george as well which i'm sure will come out when christopher is ready to tell that story but when push comes to shove the people who experienced it swear by it i think the biggest mystery falls with the defeos you know, the murders, um, we know that the, um, you know, family was, was grounded. Um, once, you know, they, they got moved on, did that change everything? Well, they didn't get moved on right when, you know, the Lutzes moved in, probably not till long after that. So there's a lot of theories that go around that. What I can tell you is that Laura went into the house with, with another owner. I mean, she'd been in there a couple of times, once by herself. And that she said that her dog acted very erratically at the bottom of the stairs. 
but that was the only experience. She followed her dog's lead. They left. She basically called, I think, the new owner, which was an elderly lady, sweet elderly lady who owned the house afterwards, who were never reported having any problems until Laura contacted her. And all of a sudden, this big growly type male voice came out, directed at Laura. Laura's just like, and then she just went back to being this lovely old lady. And Laura's like, all right, then. Oh, I don't know. Is there something in the house? Or are we to assume that um, it's just all made up? So Dolly is saying that in I, I would in the Hindu philosophy, they believe that a place lived in by evil should be purged by burning it to ash. I'll, I'll go with that. <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I, I believe that as well. I also believe the how do you burn energy? If if it's been if evil has resided, you can burn it to the ground. It's happened. We've seen houses get completely removed, but the energy remains. It's an imprint in time and space. And like they say, it's attached to the the land. It's an energy. You yeah. just can't necessarily So it's just waiting for a subdivision to go in. Yeah. And, um, I mean, I think over. if anything can can disrupt or disturb destroy energy it would have to be something made of energy it would have to be perhaps something from the other side that has the ability to do that maybe an angel maybe somebody with the technology can we little old humans do it i don't know do we have that 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 power um we're powerful enough to, to project to energy and create yeah no no guys activity just, just be happy <laughs> i know <laughs> i mean i used to it, 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 unfortunately you went into dating but you know the monsters aren't really bad they're just misunderstood right <laughs> yeah, exactly <laughs> it's good all right <laughs> so finally um for me is it possible um, is it possible to live in a haunted house and not even know it? Like you're talking about that little old lady there. Like if you don't disrupt them, if they're just left to be, is it possible they could be around us at any time? Yes. I, I believe that, um, that definitely can be the case. I've met people who moved into homes after a family is vacated and have never had any issues. Um, sometimes, um, I had somebody send me, um, back when they used to have the old um, answering machines, right, sent me a recording and they said, okay, well, we've been living in this house. I'm just sending this to you so you can document it in case we ever have a problem down the road. Um, and it was just some crazy growling that came through. And he goes, we've been here like six, seven years, never a problem. And we just got this. If you don't ever hear from me, we don't have a problem. I went, okay, sent it to me. Never had a problem. It was just sometimes people activate things. Maybe they start changing the house around. <clears throat> maybe they they maybe have somebody you know who starts going through menopause or puberty or the energy somehow is changing. It always comes back to that. <laughs> Although you, I mean, you can understand how. <coughs> never mind. I'm going to just get myself in trouble. Okay. <laughs> so we'll okay. just, um, <clears throat> Dolly. Okay, we, we need to keep up with the comments as they come because I'm not of course. always sure. <laughs> um, yes, Dolly says we have the power to send that energy. I'm assuming that that's what she says. And JRS is a good observation, but. 
I'm not sure which one. Okay, and another hello. <coughs> so, do you want to, we're right on the hour mark, and you're the boss. Do you want to go on with the trip from Transylvania? Absolutely. I'm the boss, absolutely. <laughs> if you want it, you want an extra short, long show, for sure. I, I, <laughs> There's I, nobody I, on after you, girl. <laughs> That's the thing. There's nobody on after. There's so much power in that. <laughs> There's nobody on after me. So, you're for those... For those listening and don't know, um, part of Michelle's um, bio is that doing this has given her an opportunity to travel to many of the places that she might not have been able to travel <clears throat> to before. And one of her favorite places, amazingly enough, is, <laughs> I said that sarcastically, is <laughs> Romania, Transylvania, um, or Transylvania, Romania. So... Did you want to tell us? Well, okay, I'm curious because you said when you were in the, near the haunted forest, I'm not going to even try to pronounce the name. When you <laughs> haunted forest, oh you God. said you heard whispers, or you have heard whispers while you were in the villa. You heard ghost whispers. Oh somewhere. no, there's just different parts of Romania that we we've had um, experiences in. I mean, <clears throat> how do you not? Like leading up to this, you know, I've I've had a lot of a lot of readings were done when um. I was exploring a lot of past life stuff and um, they kept, I was being led to different places, but I spent about three weeks there and a lot of different things started unfolding, shall we say. So we decided we visit with myself and my, my friends and colleagues on CMH, Melissa um, and Adriana. And then we had some, we had a skeptical dude with us. It was just like friend of a friend sort of thing. Right. So we're like, okay, we're just going to, go to all the places that we want to see. When you go to Romania, Transylvania, you you, ha you go to the castles. You go to, for me, it's where the history was. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And of course, it was the time of, uh, you know, Tepesh and Hoyabatsu, which was the forest, is one of those places that is considered to be, and I didn't want to know a lot about it at first. I just wanted to go and experience it. But we came to find out <clears throat> that it's under no-fly zone. It's considered to be Romania's Bermuda Triangle. It was mm -hmm. named after a shepherd that went missing a lot of years ago with a herd of like 100 sheep, maybe 500 sheep. It was something astronomical um, that just disappeared, never seen again. And then there was a tale of a little girl who was five years old who went missing and then resurfaced five years later wearing the same clothes, but she was just like a ragged little doll and she just wasn't right mentally anymore. I mean, I can imagine going through a portal and coming back, you're going to be, you know, <clears throat> right. But anyway, um, it was a very unusual place. And we decided we would go check it out because <clears throat> the, there was one of a show I used to enjoy watching, which I won't say on the air, but they had a lot of bad experiences there. And the people that filmed on behalf of this TV show was the University of Cluj. Hoyabachi was in Cluj. And they went in and they brought the team in and they did the filming. And a year after these horrific experiences, they went back and did it again. <clears throat> Still had horrific experiences. We happened to be three days behind a really famous TV paranormal show whose host was having like a meltdown in the forest. <laughs> well, we went in, I'm like, okay, whatever is overdramatic. We went in. And when in the afternoon, I want to have an idea what this place is like and uh, get a feel for it. And a lot of people don't realize they go looking for one circle specifically 
but there are two. So if you don't get the right one, you're defeating the purpose. So we did our homework, got the right one, <clears throat> and then I had a little nap just so I could, you know, have a little sleep, take it all in. And we were there the night of a supermoon. And people said, oh, you want to go in on a supermoon? I understand. You want to feel all this extra power. I'm like, no, I just want to get my ass out at 2 a.m. It's a four-kilometer <laughs> I want to see where and I'm you going. you can see. See the logic, right? <laughs> the logic of it all. So we went in, and it was uh, all these crooked trees. Like I have pictures I could show you, but there are all these crooked trees. Um, no birds. <clears throat> No, no animals in this area of the forest at all. Um, bugs, you know, um, it was just bizarre. Got to the circle, made our way in and realized how silent this was. You know, we just, we had some lunch. We brought lunch with us and I'm sitting there going, it's eerily silent, except for a droning sound in the background, like a humming. Mm -hmm. I felt like doing a mantra. <laughs> it was just, it was just so the, perfect beat, perfect beat. Yeah. Sound like like a, a energy, like it did. A, it it a actually, motor. when I think like, about it now, it sounds like a portal. Yeah. <clears throat> is what it sounded like to me. Um, you know, based on other locations I've been to that have had smaller ones, smaller scale. But I thought, okay, this is this is interesting. At the time, it didn't really click in. Uh, so we waited until it got dark, and then. You know, the super moon lit up and it was a nice, you know, July evening and the whole circle all of a sudden went bright, 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 bright. And, you know, there's six ways in. Earlier that day, I saw this man on a cart. Remember, you're on the top of a mountain. A man in a cart with oxen just pulling, went through, going through the circle. Oh, wooden wheels, big solid wooden wheels. And I'm looking at him going... I'd just like to run up to him and just poke him. Let's see if he's real. <laughs> and it could have been, could have been, you know. And he looked at me very oddly. I looked at him very oddly. It's like, okay, whatever. So anyway, he came, he went. I ran to the to the path where he went through and I didn't see anything after that. It's just like, okay, whatever. So, <clears throat> you know, um, Adriana, one of um, you know, my my researchers and again, friend, says, I'm gonna go to each circle, I'm gonna do voice recordings or each entrance. I went, okay, but don't go near that one right away. Just don't, just don't. Like this feels like there's just a big energy patch there. And she said, Okay. So once she got to that, Melissa and I were standing there looking at her and the skeptical person. <laughs> we call him the skeptic because he plays a really big part in this. <clears throat> and I always welcome it for a different point of view <clears throat> sorry it's very dry um so anyway she goes i'm getting a lot of heaviness in my chest and i'm going then you then come come away from there and all of a sudden we hear this creaking cracking sound and melissa and i are looking and behind her a tree branch probably about this thick and not a little but about a substantial tree branch starts going like this behind her you know and we're like <laughs> we seeing this and it snapped up and then you know of course she jumps and she's like oh my god i was just like yeah i told you don't go into that one but okay it happened so all of we didn't four kilometer hike we didn't have a whole lot of equipment with us you know uh, we didn't we didn't go 
you know, I had to fly on a plane to Europe. I wasn't bringing all this crazy stuff with me. We were just going up there to see if we captured anything, if we could. Matt, great. They brought a little, what they call hack shacks. or just like little ghost boxes. And um, I think back then it was like iPhone 4s was the, was the popular one. That's the one, like Melissa had that. And I think I had a 5, actually, at the time. And she, you know, just tried taking pictures, doing voice recordings, turn on this little box, and bearing in mind that there's you know one radio station within the town so if you're lucky and this thing just starts going and everything is in romanian like you know but adrian is romanian so i said can you just speak english you know because there's not supposed to be a language barrier we knew there was like some civilization up to like sixteen thousand years ago so who knows but and then they went da which means yes like perfect so they started um conversing with us and all of this big growl comes through. And the spirit says, go now, run. And I'm like, well, <laughs> I don't want to run. <laughs> That's the thing, right? <laughs> I know. No, but I, but I will be respectful. And, you know, because the spirits are very concerned for our safety. And we're like, okay. But before that, we were getting uh, ballroom music, really, really old, um, old type of music and a spirit came through and said vlad the torturer we're just like oh because we knew he'd come through the area obviously on his way to hundora right which is where he was held captive for like 10 years so it's like okay it's definitely possible <clears throat> and uh but then when he says go now run then the, the best part of the whole night for me was a skeptical guy honestly he turns around <laughs> and he goes is that supposed to happen? I don't really think that's supposed to happen. And I'm like, what? And it it, it looked like the tree line, <clears throat> the top of the trees were going down. If there wasn't a breeze to be had, it was so hot that night. You know, you're in the middle of July. <laughs> it's freaking hot. And if the tree line looked like something was coming over it. Was it the illusion of the tree line? Yeah, but I mean, all four of us are kind of going. And when the skeptical guy goes, I don't think that's supposed to happen, you're kind of paying attention <laughs> because you know it's not your mind running away from you. He's like onto it. And um, yeah, then it was, yeah, go now, run. So I said, I will take my exit gracefully. I will and, walk away. <laughs> of course. I did. I did. And, and I wandered off and we all, we all, you know, walked out. You have to do it safely. It can't be ridiculous. You're not running anywhere. At night in a forest, forest in a night. you're going to you wanna... trip over a route and knock well, your you eye out. you find your way out as well, right? There's six ways in and out. You need to get your bearings. And it's very easy to, to lose them. There was something at our heels, literally the whole way. We can hear them crunching, you know, in the brush beside us and um, got to the hotel. And the, the whole night, this is a state-of-the-art hotel. You couldn't even get power in your room unless you put a card in the wall and it powered everything up. It was just really green type of environment and all night long things pacing things walking in our room in the room upstairs uh we're just like what the heck and the girls had experiences um for months after that so mm. there was and and you think it all comes from the like the port you think it's portholes to to various dimensions i believe within. it's something the locals catch photographs of ufos over top of there all the time lights in the trees um, like, you know, big orbs, like going in and in, within the trees. Um, the trees aren't right, obviously. Um, you know, it, it's, there's just a lot more to it. And, um, 
I guess it, should, it is. It is said to be it's the most mystery. haunted forest in the world. Yeah. Well, when you talk about, I just have to, when you talk about portholes, um, my son and I were talking the other day. <laughs> we were saying, you know, perhaps it's just two sides of a porthole, just unsuspectingly, un unsuspectingly um, showing up in each other's life. Like if you were taking a shower and suddenly you saw through a porthole another person, you would yell, get out. <laughs> <laughs> Darn straight. <laughs> I throw something out of the portal. Buzz off. You know. Yeah. But and it happens. You know you're a, you're a demon, right? So <laughs> you were just trying to take a shower, but in that world. <laughs> it's like a time shift too, though. People, their stories. I mean, I've heard of two in modern times from people I know who this has happened to somebody they know or to them, where they walk outside and they, they go around the house, they're playing, and they come back and they're at their house. The people that they were just there with weren't there. They could hear them. They can't see them. Then there's a missing time. So, you know, they go back around the other way because they realize something's wrong. And the, the the one guy goes, I just went, I just did a counterclockwise thing to see what would happen. And he came back because he could hear them talking. And they're like, where were you? You've been gone for two or three hours. He's like, I've been gone for two minutes. So like a Rip Van Winkle thing. <clears throat> you know, I think so. They're, 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 they're gone and, mm. and, um, okay. <laughs> From Dave, isn't there a controversy over which castle is truly Dracula's or should I say Vlad the Impalers? I know there's Bran, Bran Castle. That is usually the one that there's, but there's another castle that's in the mountains that, I believe to be his true castle. That's believed to be his true castle. Yes. <clears throat> well, there's several castles. Bran Castle is the, the most famous castle. It's where all of the films have been shot at. There's no proof that Vlad actually went to that castle ever. It was a border castle. And they don't believe. Some say, oh, he spent two or three nights here. And then there's others who say, no, he never stayed there at all. Um, there was a, a, a palace in Terracoviste, which was said to be the, the family palace. Um, and you can visit it today. Uh, it's a lot of it's in ruins, but there's <clears throat> a lot of it that's been rebuilt. Like they're, they're, they're fixing it. And then you have Poyanati, which is what I think maybe you're, you're thinking about, which was a fortress on the top where his wife allegedly, well, not allegedly, she threw herself into the river from there that when so uh, the Turks were approaching. Yes. You know, and then just Hundora, um, where he spent 10 years imprisoned. So as a child, which could really, um, no, that someone. was adult life. That oh, what's that? Didn't he get taken away as, as a, as a kid or younger? Yes. He was taken away um, by the Turks when the Turks invaded, it was customary to keep peace that, Obviously, the, the, the two eldest, usually sons, would, who would be the ones to take over the throne, were sent to stay with the sultan. They were sent in, in Turkey. And at that point, they were trained in the Turkish belief system. The Turks were smart that way. They, they knew we train the future leaders and then we put them back in place. And we're not going to have trouble with them because, because we, they're alliances. They're one of ours. So uh, Vlad and his brother Radu were sent. Um, I think Radu might have been three, Vlad was five. And they were abused. I mean, they, they were abused on different levels. Yeah, no, it was... You know, but they were taught... This is where impaling was taught. They think, you know, that Vlad was just this mad impaler. Probably was. 
without a doubt. But everybody in, in everybody impaled in that time. And the Turks, it was the Middle Ages, and and, exactly. and it wasn't a nice time. Nobody no. was. You but know. the Turks were notorious for it, and they're the ones that passed that down. Radu remained as part of the Turkish army. And uh, in the end, it's believed uh, that, you know, he was responsible for the death of his brother, even though it's there's a lot of, of, of mystery that surrounds that. So, yeah. So, and, and the actual story itself, I mean, um, Stoker could have just gone in there and look, make it, made a composite of everything, you know? <laughs> it's not it's not the story but yeah, yeah no supernatural just like really bad times there yes know, history back in the day is not as nice as people think that it was it was not no not at all but it's 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 an exceptional place and there's definitely parts of the country um where time stands still it's just so it's, it's just it's, to me Perfect. People are like, well, why would you want to go to a place like that? Because it's an exceptional place and you have to have an appreciation for it. People don't realize that in Bran, um, that there are vineyards and that there are ski slopes and, and people go visiting year round. They have nothing to do with, you know, Vlad Tepesh at all or the Dracula lore, even though that's what the tourism promotes. But I mean, haunted, I mean, the castle is exceptional. You know, and then you have uh, uh, Pelesh Castle, which was, um, you know, the, the the prince of Romania at the time who stayed there. And then they left back in the 80s when they were under dictatorship, you know, and the castles were all given back. And he just said, no, he just gave it to the country and said, you know, keep it as a tourist attraction. You know, cousin of, of Prince Charles, right? So, um, but Bran, I mean, this is where I had one of my experiences. I was staying in a villa not far from... Um, Brand Castle, and uh, Melissa and I were bunkies throughout the trip, and she stayed in one bed, and I stayed in another bed, and beautiful, just at the base of the Carpathians, just unbelievable. And then about seven a.m. in my ear, <laughs> I hear really loud, and I was just like, I was you know about stroked out at seven a.m. because I'm like, who gets up that early? But anyway. <laughs> So I, I looked over at Melissa. She's out like a light, as she should have been. And uh, I was just like, "Oh, hey, that's interesting." So who was trying to get my my attention? You know? No, I was I was looking it up, um, doing a little background for this, and I was like, <laughs> "It's like, oh, we have pool. You know, it's just like a family villa, and we have games. Yeah. and there's hiking." And I'm like thinking, "Oh, I need to go here." And then I realized that it was in Romania. It was uh, just to experience. That you can see that it's, it's very, very much uh, will, like an, uh, a family-oriented um, disco for the holiday. But it's cheap to thing. go. Your most expensive part will be your flight. So like, well, it's very no, inexpensive I mean, to go. The whole and the stories and that I have. I should. I've got to get the invitation out. But I think I have a girl um, from Romania who talks about her grandmother's teachings and things coming up i mean everything Beautiful. in my life is just leading into that <laughs> whole area i have <laughs> i don't know why but it's happening um and it is it is it is to go back and to hear the stories and to see those things i mean this is what we've lost mm -hmm. i think it's, it's phenomenal i mean i i've been traveling the world for many years i mean many years couple decades easily and 
I always say, wherever I end up in the world, I leave a part of myself behind and I take a part of that place back with me. I've been to unbelievable places. I've been very, very fortunate. Um, and I, cause I love history and I love culture. I don't go because they're all haunted. I make a point of staying in very old places, preferably haunted, but I'm it's not. not... The haunted <laughs> oh my gosh. It's just so much fun. It's so much fun. I I I I really like it. You know, you're you're sleeping and somebody's walking around you at night, and I'm just kind of like, going, who is it? You know, it's, it's I I just love that sort of stuff. I want to stay. When I was in the south of France, I stayed in a place that was like from um, I think it was like 1200 AD. It was where where uh, you know Templars and it was in the courtyard of a castle. It was just amazing. I just woke up every morning, opened the shutters, and there's this castle. And this castle had been shut down for a really long time. And the town, which is a small town, only of about 800 to 1,000 people, all saved up their money, bought the castle, and then they started restoring it. When they opened it up, they found um, the largest collection of Renaissance art in the entire of France. In fact, when we were there, they had people from the Louvre that were in there documenting and doing preservation work before they could open it up because some of it was on the walls. And and this is what we talk about when changing the energy. These mm -hmm. are passionate people who are following what yes. they love as you do. And that's how you go to another dimension right in this one. I think so. I, I mean, I love history, but I remember when I was younger and I went with a bunch of girls to a bed and breakfast and was in this room and we were sleeping and the girl that was sleeping in the room with me was like, Vicky, Vicky, did you say my name? And I'm like, no, I didn't say your name. Yeah. And she's like, oh, okay. And uh -oh. she rolls over and I'm like, no, 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 no. If I didn't say your name. Yeah, you don't want to talk name. to whoever it was. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, like, let's, let's get this worked out. I want to yeah. know who's here. Right. But um, no, no, I, I just, it is, I don't know, when we've taken trips, it's always been to see something. It's yes. not like, because we can lay around at home, right? Yes, exactly. When you go, when you exactly. go someplace, like you that. want to, you want to see it. And then you have a different experience than anybody else who's been there visiting. It's true. <clears throat> it's true. I like to meld you know into the culture i want to absorb the culture i want to look at the architecture i want to relish in its the history i spent a lot of time in museums you know i remember being on a trip um where my friends were on a beach somewhere and they were doing an excavation not far from our hotel i wandered off everybody's on the beach i wandered off and i was just watching it like kind of like you know somebody felt sorry for me <laughs> and, said, and they go like this and i went you know, my little face perked up. I was all happy. <laughs> so they gave me a little chisel and a toothbrush. I was there for eight stinking hours. My friends are coming by looking for me, going for dinner. I'm like, go away, go away. <laughs> I'm busy. Do. I'm doing stuff. I it's, am never going to have this chance again. And this is all I want to do. And it's You can. I, I mean, even, even if we're in Philadelphia, we will walk down the streets forever just looking Love at the architecture because the yes. buildings are so beautiful. And we would yes. get up early in the morning and just walk through the town looking That's at right. them all because right. there's there's so much to see. So Absorbing you don't get it. bored. No, exactly. No. And that to me 
is what it's about. But hey, you know, to each his own. You can probably find ghosts anywhere you go if that's what you're looking for. <clears throat> go on a cruise, you know, go on. Um... <laughs> I'm not looking for them. Um... <laughs> <laughs> what? I'm happy. No, what? no, I'm not. I'm not terrified or anything. I'm just, I mean, of those things, I just, um, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I, I would be obsessed with helping them get rid of their bags. And then it would take up too much time. <laughs> what do you need to do? But no, actually, no, this has been a great, a great talk because it has been a talk about passions and you're passionate. You're a very passionate person about Thank what you. you're interested in. And it makes a lot of difference to the world Thank and you. for the world. So thank you, thank you for sharing all That's of these things. Um, yeah, we have to do this again. <laughs> Just chat because we never get a chance to in real life. <laughs> I, I know, I know this. Yeah, this works. This works. Yeah. Well, I mean, this is easy for me. It's like in the afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll just do you know a periodic michelle and vicky do fika because they don't get a chance otherwise i know and and who knows where the conversation will go that's it that's I'm it first in many things thankfully <laughs> so we can just go all over the place yes so thank you for stopping in and giving Pleasure. us an idea of what the factual world of ghosts is like and of these stories <laughs> that we read i know that's up for opinion but i'm just that going my to say world I, I i can attest that it's my world anyway <laughs> in your world well you have in my world a lot of experience with it so we'll go we'll go with that and we will talk to you later okay thanks Excellent. michelle thanks Thank for coming you. So that was a great conversation. Perfect time of year talking to Michelle. We all behaved ourselves. Um, thank you, Dolly. Um, and and um, we all enjoyed ourselves and learned something new. Um, so I'm just going to close, not be looking at the comments. I'm going to turn the comments off now. So if I miss anything, I'm sorry about that. Uh, you know how we end things here? Until we've seen it, you again. May your coffee stay hot and your stories be sweet. Thanks for listening, everyone. You are listening to Fika with Vicky on United Public Radio, 103.7.